Welcome back to a new monthly podcast from Grace Community Church called What Would Jesus Say To? Uh, this is a bit of space for us to look at some of the topics that don't usually get a whole load of coverage on a Sunday, but do still need some careful thought in the world that we're living in, in the world that we're trying to follow Jesus in, trying to be good disciples in, trying to work in, uh, trying to follow God well in. And we've got open Bibles with us, we've got hot coffee, uh, we've got Martin again. Hello. And here's John. Hey. And I'm Graham. Uh, and again, we'd love to hear from you about topics, things that you would like to hear in this podcast. Um, I'll tell you how to get in touch at the end of this episode. This month, what would Jesus say to Valentine's Day? Uh, it's February. Love is in the air. Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it an expensive thing? By the way, just before we start, uh, very aware that we are three married men um, talking about all kinds of things to do with uh, romance and singleness. Uh, just want to assure you, we, we did have someone from Grace, one of our friends who is single, uh, lined up to come and share some thoughts on this podcast. Uh, they had to pull out for some work-related reasons. Uh, totally fine. Uh, but that, that's the reason why you, you've got us three again this month. First of all, what is going on with Valentine's Day? It's St. Valentine, isn't it? Who was St. Valentine? The truth is nobody really knows. Uh, there's a few legends. The most popular one is we're in Rome. It's about 200 AD. Um, the, the emperor wants to boost his army and there's too many of them getting loved up and having families. So he basically commands soldiers to remain single. St. Valentine doesn't think that's a great idea, so he conducts weddings in secret. He gets found out. He gets beaten with clubs and has his head chopped off. So, um, yeah, romance is in the air. <laughs> John, the episode is called What Would Jesus Say to Valentine's Day? But what would Jesus say to St. Valentine himself? Would they have got on? Would they have been mates? Well, Jesus is the friend of sinners, so I think um, he would probably be the friend of anyone who came to him in uh, for for trust and fellowship. Uh, there are a couple of other St. Valentines that it, Valentine's Day could be about. There's one who was in prison and sent notes to the jailer's daughter, hence the idea of sending Valentine's letters. Another was a bishop that was martyred. Uh, but the, the day comes from uh, 469 AD, where the church introduced this feast day because what they, they saw that there was um, a celebration, a kind of a pagan celebration of love and fertility. And they said, well, we can do better than that. Let's celebrate the kind of the Christian idea of love. Let's celebrate St. Valentine's instead. So uh, that's where the day comes from. But we're not sure who it's about. And so now the supermarkets are lined with pink and red and expensive <laughs> bits of folded card and flowers and chocolates. Uh, talk us through then what um, what is there to celebrate about Valentine's Day as a Christian uh, walking through the restaurants uh, with the inflated meal prices on the February 14th or, or walking through supermarket aisles or, or scrolling through social media. You know, very aware that at Grace, we have a real mix of, of people, of backgrounds, of situations. Uh, we have people in relationships, not in relationships, and by choice or not by choice, all sorts of circumstances. We want to hear those and know about those and be sensitive to those. As, as a Christian, how do we engage well with Valentine's Day? What is there positively to celebrate? 
I think one of the things that we can celebrate is um, romance and romantic love is a good thing. It's a gift from God. Uh, there's a whole book in the Bible called Song of Songs, which amongst other things is celebrating um, and delighting in romance. So um, I think that kind of that human urge and instinct to celebrate something of romantic love is probably part of what it means to be made in in God's world uh, with, with God as our creator. And so I suppose, yeah, that, that celebration of the good gift of romance it, it seems to be a good thing, whether it needs to be done on a particular day in a particular way is a different question. But I think that instinct is broadly positive. Yeah, and I think a lot, whether we can celebrate it or not, it depends a lot on how people use the day and what they do with it. I think if it's uh, an opportunity or if people use it as an opportunity to express uh, gratitude and appreciation uh, for a partner, uh, that's a great thing uh, to do. Um, it's a great thing to demonstrate your commitment to someone. And I think we need to remember that any relationship between people, whether it's uh, friendship or uh, kind of a romantic relationship, is still a relationship between two people who are deeply flawed. Uh, and in some ways, Valentine's Day is a, is a statement, it's a declaration that this relationship is a relationship based on our love for each other, not on power. And that's very profound, actually, in a, in a time when many people think the fundamental uh, defining quality between people is actually the power at play. Uh, to say, no, no, it's love and it's our commitment and our desire for each other is, uh, is potentially quite a powerful thing. Plenty that's positive, plenty that's healthy and to celebrate. What's perhaps some of the things we need to be cautious of, watch out for? What's perhaps a little less healthy about Valentine's Day, John? Well, I think Martin really helpfully mentioned earlier that how Valentine's Day is a celebration or has been become very much a celebration of romantic love. Obviously, the, the danger of that or the downside is that there's a, a devaluing of all the other sorts of love that are equally important thinking particularly of uh, f the love that is found in friendship. Uh, Andrew Sullivan said, the great enemy of friendship has turned out to be love. And what he meant is that people are so can become so fixated on uh, romantic love and the, the intimate relationship between two people that other sorts of love become very much devalued in their, in their eyes, in their experience. Uh, so I think that's one danger to look out for. Yeah, just just to pitch in on that, there's definitely something here, isn't there, about our definition of love, what it means to love. So I was thinking the other day, <clears throat> there's a guy in our church, most days of the week he goes and visits his wife in her care home. She doesn't know who he is anymore. No one's selling cards for that. No one's celebrating that. There's really no money to be made from that. So there's something about the commercialization. I think it's just a danger that we we make love look a particular way and we celebrate that. And we miss actually all of the, the deeper, more profound commitments that actually love really, really is if it's to last. Yes, and, and that sort of love is seen in so many everyday experiences between people. It's seen in when you clear up after each other. It's seen when someone uh, takes an unequal burden in a task for the sake of someone else. It's seen when someone's up in the middle of the night caring for a child so the other can sleep. It's, it's seen in everyday little things like listening well to other people. And it's interesting that many of those sorts of loving acts are available not just in romantic relationships, but in friendships too. And so the danger is love really becomes a feeling. So we talk about, you know, if you, you can fall out of love and then you leave 
and you find somebody else um and i think biblically you know we'd want to we'd want to say actually love is 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 much more that decision of the will rather than emotional feeling you've both touched on there though a lot of uh, examples and situations of people who are in married relationships though i know that you've both spent a lot of time with our single brothers and sisters at Grace, you've had a lot of conversations with them in depth about their uh, circumstances and situations. Uh, how do we think about biblical love well as a single person? Yeah, that's that's good, Graham. So I think one of the potential uh, unintended consequences of making a lot of noise about Valentine's Day is um, what, what we might call the implied curse of singleness. This idea that actually, if you're really happy, you'll be in a romantic relationship, and if you're not, then you're um, you're missing out on on something. Um, perhaps even you're you're a bit of a loser. Um, and there's this thing that that everyone really wants, and that you really need if you're to be truly fulfilled. And if you haven't got it, then um, you know there's there's something deficient. And biblically, uh, again, the apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians puts it in a completely countercultural way. So in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, he talks about his own singleness and he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, i.e. single, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. In other words, some of you are married, some of you are relationships, some of you are single. Each of those stations is is actually a, a gift from God. Um this passage, 1 Corinthians 7, this, this is one of those passages. If we ever do a series on Bible verses Christians don't really believe, uh, this will be one of them. Because I think as Christians, we're really bad at this. I think we, we don't really believe singleness is a gift. Uh, we don't really believe that it's a station which God places us in um, at different seasons of life. Actually, all, all of us will be single at some points in our life. Uh, some of us will be married for some points. But, but our station life is a gift and with that gift comes some opportunities. So later in the same um, chapter, you know, Paul will say, look, I want you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. A married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. It's always Paul, Paul will go so far as to say uh, in this chapter, he who marries does right. He who does not marry does better. And I don't think we've got a clue what to do with that in our in our day and age. So I think we end up treating singles as if they're missing something rather than recognising and affirming a, a real gift that God bestows upon them, which will bring with it some opportunities that married people won't have. And I just think a lot of our conversation really misses that, that the, the positive of singleness. And Valentine's Day, I think, can, can leave people with that sense of missing out or being somehow less than and what's interesting i think about that the discussion around kind of singleness and valentine's day is i think we can see that you can be in a in a relationship uh in a married relationship or or a romantic relationship and have in some ways the same sort of difficulty in terms of pedestaling that relationship so if you're in a romantic relationship with one other person there are still some of the problems there of thinking that this is the most important thing and it leads to very high uh, too high expectations it can lead to comparisons with other people particularly on valentine's day what did so-and-so get their spouse uh, what did uh, what did they do for their valentine's day 
what did my spouse get me uh, and what was I expecting? So some of the difficulties that we see connected with singleness on Valentine's Day are actually replicated within relationships, but in a more uh, subtle way, but in a way that can put too much strain on the relationship relationships that people are in. Martin talked about verses that Christians don't really believe or struggle to believe. I think the other one that occurs to me in this moment is when Paul says, that I've learned to be content in all situations, which I just find in some ways the most challenging verse in the New Testament because we all face circumstances which are deeply difficult sometimes. And I think we need to think about, I guess, the next part of our conversation in terms of where does Jesus bring fulfilment if we're going to make any sense of either the verses around singleness of marriage or contentment. Put yourself into two people's shoes for a moment and imagine it's the week of Valentine's Day and you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and there's a lot of pictures and a lot of content of people very happy and they're out for the meals and they're holding the flowers and they're getting engaged and there's just a lot of... (laughs) happy content around love and romance on social media. Put yourself in these two people's shoes and tell me something to think about and something to remember. Uh, You're single and you're scrolling and you don't want to be single. Or you're in a relationship, perhaps a long marriage, and things aren't great. Things are difficult. Things are hard. And you're scrolling through those kind of pictures. Something to think about, something to remember. So as we uh, think about that question, uh, and it's a really good one, uh, the other thing we've got planned is a a much longer discussion around uh, being a Christian and being single with uh, three or four other members of Grace. So do watch out for that. We're hoping to record that within the month. Uh, So hopefully we'll cover some of these topics in a lot more detail there. But I guess the the thing to reflect on is that as someone in that situation is, is scrolling through those pictures, the difficulty is that the thing that they desire, it is a good thing. So that kind of, uh, that desire, that yearning is really understandable. Uh, God has created people for uh, those sorts of relationships. So when we see relationships that look that good and look that happy, it is easy and natural, I think, to feel like we're missing out. But I think this is maybe where we start to think about how does Jesus come and meet us in those moments? Uh, in our situation that Martin described, he said, look, that is a good situation to be in, if not an easy situation to be in. And I think C.S. Lewis said that if I find a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And I think sometimes when we look at relationships like that, we are looking for some of the things that those relationships will provide, but no relationship provides all the sort of love that we crave, uh, the, the sort of the deep, the deep feeling of wanting to be known, to be loved, to be valued, to be felt, to be thought special. Uh, no one relationship will ever provide all those things. So I think this is, again, where being a Christian can really help us in those moments, because actually when we look towards Jesus, we see a love that is better than any romantic love uh, or, and includes some of the aspects of romantic love. It it is unearned, it is unending, it is unlimited. And that is so much more greater, more satisfying than the love that 
is advertised by those pictures. And I think that's the right way to think about pictures that are posted on social media, is that it is almost advertising. It, it never captures the full story of a relationship and all the difficulties that also go along in most of the relationships that we see posted online. So that's one way to perhaps start thinking about it. There are other things we could say, but maybe that's a place to start. We come to you, Martin, on that second scenario of perhaps uh, you're it, you are married, you're in a relationship. It's not all fireworks, but still Valentine's Day is happening around you. I think a few things, picking up on what John said, when you're seeing those pictures and scrolls, it is the edited highlights. Uh, it's not the full reality. I think beware of what you're benchmarking against. So Valentine's Day gives us a benchmark of what happy romantic relationships look like. But, but is that actually the right benchmark to measure a marriage? As we said earlier, you know, is, is there something fuller about what a loving, committed lifelong relationship looks like for better and for worse um, we live in a sin sick world so this side of heaven there's always going to be struggle that's normal but perhaps I'd say if you are looking at it and it, yeah it may be a prompt to get some help actually um, there are times aren't there where you go you know there is something quite wrong and I've never quite had the courage to reach out and ask for help because it's felt embarrassing or whatever it may be that there are those prompts in our culture that encourage you to seek the help that actually you might really need. I guess then the other person's shoes to put yourself in is the person posting. Uh, and perhaps a word of thought, uh, a moment to remember that what you put on social media affects another's mood. Uh, what you portray, what pictures you put up, the things that you say of yourself, the, those edited highlights, as you said, Martin, has a direct impact on what other people see and perceive and feel about themselves. So perhaps just a, a word of thoughtfulness, a, a moment of caution uh, as we all think about our own social media habits. Let me just push you a little further, John, on what you started to say there about Jesus being better, Jesus modelling the ultimate love that we're all really looking for. Um, how does the gospel apply here, John? Tell me more about Jesus. So as we read in the New Testament, we read, you know, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do. We see him sacrifice himself to bring those he loves the best possible gift that they can receive, which is ultimately himself. So we see that love in Jesus. We also see in, in Romans, he talks about just at the right time. God demonstrates his love for this, that Jesus died for us whilst we were still in sin. So Jesus loves not just that which is lovely uh, to him, but actually those that are enemies. And that's, a, that's an incredible, unparalleled act of, and demonstration of love. And what he creates when he does that is he creates, he turns enemies into friends. And that's where we come back to some of the things we mentioned at the beginning, which is that risk of Valentine's Day to elevate romantic love at the expense of, say, friendship love. And actually Jesus in doing that creates a community of friends of family uh, and I think maybe one of the responses that we can make positively to Valentine's Day is to remember how important it is to cultivate friendships firstly our friendship with God Moses is described as someone who is a friend of God Abraham the same and then Jesus calls his disciples friends and it is an amazing miraculous thing to be called a friend of God by God uh, and I think there's Valentine's Day is some in some ways Yes, it's a, it's a great time to celebrate and be appreciative of the romantic love in our lives where that's appropriate. 
but it's also a reminder to really invest and to cultivate beautiful, Jesus-honouring, mutually beneficial friendships. So it's, it's worth saying, isn't it, that your spouse cannot be your saviour. They cannot meet your deepest longing for intimacy. And finding a spouse can't do that either. Um, in, you know, in Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah criticised the people because they're trying to dig wells that won't hold any water. <laughs> and in the New Testament, Jesus meets this woman at, at a well. She's had multiple relationships. And then he starts to talk to her about finding living water in a well that never runs dry. And he's talking about himself. He, he is the bridegroom par excellence. He is the one who loves us perfectly. He draws us into his family. Um, he never leaves our side. He never forsakes us. And uh, his future provides for all of our deepest longings, hopes, needs and desires. And so I think whatever our position on Valentine's Day, whether we're in a relationship or we're not, we've got to keep looking to Jesus as the only one who can really fill those deepest longings that we have uh, to know intimacy and to have someone that knows us at the deepest level and still loves us absolutely and unconditionally. All right, then let's bring this thing into land. Uh, Jesus walks into the room. We're talking about Valentine's Day. What would Jesus say to Valentine's Day? I think he might encourage us all uh, to pray this prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to What Would Jesus Say Too? If there are things that you would like to hear on this podcast, things you wish got a little bit more airtime on a Sunday sermon, email us info at graceinthecommunity.com for your suggestions on what we should talk about in the next few episodes of What Would Jesus Say Too?